It's time to talk all things Dirty Birds. It's Falcons Flyover. With John Chuckery on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Back in the Kia Studios on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. This is John Chuckery Show. Hanging out with you on this Friday evening with you. 404-726-0929. That is both our Solomon Brothers Diamond text line and it is our phone line. Uh, Odyssey apps how you catch us on the go. Social media is at 929 The Game. I'm at JMCH316. He's at the D. Lewis for real. Don't forget, rank them coming up at 1040. Rank them on a Friday evening with you. This is your night look at all things Atlanta Falcons. It is the Falcons flyover. By the way, we're going to talk to Chris Draft here in about 20 minutes from right now. I had a chance earlier to uh, catch up with Chris Draft, former Falcons linebacker. So we'll chop it up with him here for just a little bit. But all right, day day. We've been going through these pro football focus uh, positional lists, okay? Yep. Tonight, safety. So, who's our high-priced safety that we have? Jesse Bates. Okay. Where do you think he ranked? Um, I don't I mean, because he's kind of coming off the injury. Uh, let's say, I know he was ranked. I mean, you know, he was highly touted coming out of school. I'll put him 15-20. So... Derwin James is number one. Mm-hmm. Minka Fitzpatrick, number two. Okay. Kevin Bayard, number three. Antoine Winfield, number four. Okay. Micah Hyde, five. Justin Simmons, six. Tyron Matthew, Honey Badger, at seven. <clears throat> Jordan uh, Poyer at number eight. And coming in at number nine, Jesse Bates. So, Oh, wow. He's up there. Here's what the write-up is. Uh, Bates was a key piece in the Bengals' turnaround over the last few years. While he likely won't repeat his elite 2020 performance, a 90.1 overall grade, he is incredibly reliable and durable. His best days, including three games in 2022 with game grades above 89, are as good as anyone's. His 88.3 run defense grade was a top 10 mark. Bates' presence in Atlanta secondary will help change the culture of their defense. So here's what I'll say, okay? I'm a little disappointed that he's only ninth. And I mean this from the standpoint of they really like pro football focus Jesse Bates. Like, they they brag on Jesse Bates a lot. Right. If he's the ninth best safety in the NFL, is he a first or second team all pro? Ooh. Because to me, that is where we've got to live with Jesse Bates. If we're going to make Jesse Bates a $14 million a year safety, fourth highest safety contract, yeah, um, you know, fourth highest average annual value safety contract, then I've got to get a second team all pro kind of year out of him. I've got to have him, again, maybe not at that 2020 level with the grade, but he was a second team all pro in 2020. I've got, I've, I need for him to be back at that level. I need for him to be at the same exact level that he was a few years ago when he was a second-team Pro Bowl. Because you can't tell me he's going to make enough of an impact if he's not that kind of player. If he's not that kind of, you know, top-tier type of safety. And so when I read number, you know, that he's number nine, and I think to myself, okay, who could be first-team All-Pro. Well, Duran James is first-team All-Pro player, right? Minka Fitzpatrick is a first-team All-NFL player, okay? 
All right, Antoine Winfield, he can certainly be a top one-two guy. Micah Hyde can be a top one-two guy. Honey Badger can be a top one-two guy. Pickens get kind of slim, I mean, just as far as finding a spot where you can slide right into a number one or number two kind of spot. But I hope Jesse Bates becomes that player. And again, I will say, I'll say the same thing, you know, because I was asked about this on Twitter today. I'll say the same thing that I say about B. John Robinson. I love the player. I don't love the position for Jesse Bates. I don't I don't love where he was where he was picked for um B. John Robinson. Because at some point, we have to address what our biggest flaws are. What are all of our biggest flaws? Well, we think we've addressed one of the big ones. Well, no, no, not one of. We think we've addressed what is our biggest flaw and our biggest Achilles heel is our pass rush. But I want to see it to be able to believe it all. And... I just hope that Jesse Bates can get back to that that kind of level. He's paying good money. I mean, he's making, what, $14 million a year is what the AAV works out to be. You're paying him really good money, but can he be that same kind of player? All right, uh, Grady Jarrett talking about um, this Falcons offseason and new defensive uh, coordinator, Ryan Nielsen. Um, Grady Jarrett talking to the media, quote, this time has been critical uh, oh, he said it's Grady's Gives weekend of community service. It's been crucial. That's the part. That's part of the reason I wanted to be so in tune with it. One, to learn the new defense, having new teammates, new coaches, and building a rapport because of the uh, time fall. Because by the time fall comes, we want to be running. We have a great group of players, great group of coaches. Uh, quote, more than anything, it's a collective. Oh, my God. Yikes. There's that word again, collective and collaborative. Uh, more than anything, it's a collective uh, It's a collective of guys that want to be the best. Not to be the best, just make this work, but, for, but to be the best. I think that's the thing that's driving everybody to just pour in more, to do more, spend more time, and we've had a great turnout. turnout. It's been great work. So... Again, all good news, and obviously it sounds like Ryan Nielsen has got you know got these got in touch with these guys. Now let's see if it happens on the field. Quote, it's been a heck of a transformation. It's been something that I've been super excited about, having veterans come in, guys who are ready to roll. Yeah. Yeah. Except that, you know, at that whole pass rush thing that I know I know Grady's ready to roll, but some of those outside guys in that whole pass rush thing get me a little bit scared, right? I mean, it's, it gets me a little bit nervous about, you know, what's what's going to happen with some of these guys. So we'll see. But, I mean, obviously Grady, you know, saying all the right things and seems like he and Ryan, will, he and Ryan Nielsen are going to get along really well. Nielsen, a very defensive line-minded guy, right? He's been a defensive line coach for the Saints. So I think that Grady will have one of his better seasons that we've ever seen out of him. All right. Um, how about this list, A-Day? Who are the most stressful teams to root for based upon losses, penalties, injuries? Oh, Falcons the, definitely going to be like. on that list. Yeah. Find out. So the teams that are the most stressful to support based on losses, penalties, injuries, and more during the season. Now, what's surprising is on this list, okay, mm-hmm. Denver's number one, 
Is this based off of last season, or is this? Are they saying this is going to be? These are going to be the teams. No, it's season. based off last season. Okay. 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 Denver number one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely can see that. Tennessee number two. Houston number three. Mm-hmm. Um, the Bears and Colts are four and five. Okay. Um, the uh, let's see Texas. Da, 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 da. Um. Let's see, Arizona, and then the uh, Falcons come in at number 10 overall on this list. Yeah, that's about right. So, you know, again, and part of this is probably based on expectations, right? You know, I mean, they're the most, they're the 10th most stressful team. What do they say here? It's um, win percentage um, last year, 41.2%, 100 penalties. 804 penalty yards, seven fumbles, 10 interceptions thrown, um, number of victories, um, I guess maybe, I, I don't know what this what this metric is. I can't read what this what this says on here, but but something with the with number of victories or what have you. But, um, yeah, I think that's pretty fair. Yeah. You know, there was a lot of expectation for the Denver Broncos, and they demand success, right? I mean, they – they're a very proud organization. They've, they've obviously won a lot, been to a lot, and things like that. Tennessee, Houston, Arizona, I don't know how much that there's a lot of angst about some of those teams. Um, probably Indy, Chicago for sure, Raiders for sure. Then Carolina, the Rams, and then the Atlanta Falcons come in at number 10 as the most 10th most stressful team to have to root for. Eh, I mean, I, I, I think that they're a top 10 team. Um, I, I, I definitely can see that. Uh, but, you know, let's hope that they're not very stressful this year. Certainly would love that. Certainly would love for them to not be very stressed out this year. Let's, let's just have, can we have a smooth, easy year for the Falcons? You know, win 10, 11 games, just kind of glide along. Not be, uh, not be, you know, in the radar, but like just under the radar, right? We just kind of win some ball games, and we don't have anybody talk about us, and we're not making any news, and you know, all this other folder all and stuff like that. Let's just have a a quiet year and just go out and win football games. That's that's what I'm hoping for the most. So anyway, uh, mandatory minis come up on. Uh, let's see, what is it? What's the what's the thirteenth? Yeah, what's the thirteenth? Uh, that is, is today's today's, uh, today's the ninth, so, so that Wednesday? is Tuesday. Is it Tuesday? I think so, because 10, 11, 12, yeah, Tuesday. Okay, so Tuesday starts mandatory minis. And now, obviously, look, we've been going through OTAs, and you had rookie mini camp and all this kind of stuff. So huh, when we get through this period of mandatory OTAs, that's the nurse, that's the most nerve-wracking point of the season, Right. Because guys will get a few-week break to be off on their own mm-hmm. and to their own vices. And then, you know, come about, what, mid-July, uh, Falcons training camp will open up. It'll be here very soon. Falcons training camp will open up. And we'll have all of your coverage from Falcons camp. But it'll open up, and, you know, now we're in the season. Now, now we're there. You know, once, once training camp hits, now we're there. We, we're, we go on a snowball roll. So coaches get very nervous in that time between a mandatory mini and training camp opening. Who's going to do something stupid? Who's not going to show up? Who's going to be in jail? I mean, just 
You know, I mean, all the different things that go along with it. So um, it's a, probably the most stressful time for coaches because guys are all left to their devices for a while, right? And then once you get to training camp, okay, you're in the season, right? You're going to kiss your yeah. family and friends goodbye, kiss your kids goodbye, and, mm-hmm. you know, again, you know, you know, head between your knees and hold your ankles. I mean, so, you know, I mean, we now we go full bore into everything, and now the season is here at that point, you know, and especially yeah. as we head toward – preseason and all that good stuff so um but you know they're they're going to start up i don't know what we're going to see um you know hopefully we'll see kind of you know some blend of the rookies and some of the young guys and things like that and allow those guys to get their shot i'll be curious as we get to mandatory minis about okay is Jalen mayfield there is he working out with the tackles you know what's what's some of the roles on these teams right um you know, who's going to be, you know, it's going to be Jeff Okuda, I would assume, but, you know, who's going to be that nickel corner? Is it automatically Mike Hughes or is there somebody else in the mix? Obviously, we lost Isaiah Oliver, so is it going to be just Mike Hughes and, you know, that's that's a done kind of deal or, you know, could we be looking at something else? So we'll see what happens uh, in all of this. All right, when we get back, we had a chance to catch up to Chris with Chris Draft, former Falcons linebacker. Good conversation with the, with Chris. Chuck, we're hanging out in the Kia Studios. Sports Radio 929 The Game and the Odyssey.com app. Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game. It is the John Chuckery Show coming to you live on this Friday evening as off-season stuff keeps going rolling right along for the Atlanta Falcons. Mandatory minis coming up on the 13th of the month. Let's head out to the wadeford.com hotline. Let's talk to a former Falcons player. Chris Draft is joining us here. You can follow him on his personal Twitter page, at Chris Draft. He's the founder of the Chris Draft Family Foundation. You can check out all of his work at chrisdraft.org and Chris, as we are in the month of June, it is Cancer Survivors Month, and uh, obviously you guys are doing a lot of good work with your organization. Yeah, this is a, this is a big month. Uh, you know, June is Cancer Survivors Month, but uh, June 4th was Cancer Survivors Day. And, and so that this month is, is a reminder and an opportunity for us to make sure that, my, you know, like my wife who passed from lung cancer uh, in December of, of 2011, but throughout her, her journey, that she knew that she was not alone. She knew that there were people that were standing there with her, and she knew that there was hope. Even though it didn't turn out like we wanted it, she knew that there was hope. And so in this month, you know, we want to make sure that, you know, lung cancer, like all the other cancers, that the people know that they matter, know that they are not alone, and know that there's hope. Chris, let's talk a little Falcons football with you here. Um you know, you came to the Falcons at a very transitional time in the organization. As Arthur Blank was taking over, Mike Vick was about to be drafted in 2001. Do you see some similarities about, you know, how this organization has completely changed and new coach moving on from Matt Ryan and things like that to when you first came to the Falcons? Well, I think 
definitely in terms of transition. Uh, you know, you, you see that the Falcons had success in, in 1998 when I came in, and it was this natural transition from Chris Chandler to Mike Vick. And, and, and with that, just natural players kind of turning over. But the recipe is very similar. And I think with, with, when people look at this game right now and look at the Falcons team, is that we've got to run the ball. We've got to run the ball. I mean, as great as, as Matt Ryan is statistically and, and where he's had tremendous success, it really came, success came with when they ran the ball well, right? Uh, defense has to be tenacious, getting after the ball. So I, I'm excited in that there's a, you know, more of a, just a transition back to what the Falcons have done when we've won. Do you look at this defense as, you know, um, look, Jesse Bates, Calais Campbell, Caden Ellis, David Onyemata. I mean, they've really transformed the personnel on this defense. Do you think that this can be a top 10 defense when all is said and done? Well, I think they have, they have a chance to. Uh, but, but the key is making sure they're playing together. I think Calais is going to do a great job uh, in making plays that people don't even see. He's going to be making plays in the locker room of really challenging guys to understand this is, you know, what does it take to be a champion, right? This mm-hmm. is a guy that, you know, on the practice field, in the locker room, outside, you know, is going to help all of the, you know, all of the defensive guys, and really the whole team, understand that they have to be focused, they have to be together if we want to be a great team. Former Falcons linebacker Chris Draft joining us here on the WadeFord.com hotline. You know, the Falcons decided to move on from a Rashawn Evans, and, you know, you were the kind of player that was a high-volume tackling player, a high-volume tackling linebacker, and that's kind of what Rashawn Evans is. And I'm not comparing mm-hmm. necessarily games, but just you were that high-volume impact kind of guy. The, when you look at a Troy Anderson, and I know he's in his second year, but do you think that he can fill that role that you would have been back in the day or Rashawn Evans, you know, was – for this team last year? Can he be that kind of high-volume kind of tackling machine? Well, I, w- I will say that I, I hope that he's able to be that guy. But the other side is, do I want him to be just a complete tackling machine? I would say not as much a tackling machine because we want to have more balance, mm-hmm. right? That, that we want to be able to have the balance, again, of running the ball, being able to eat up some of the clock so the defense can be, can be strong and fresh. So regardless of who's there and who's there now, it's more about making sure that they're fresh, coming, honey, and then making impact tackles. Not just making tackles, but making those ones that make the make the bins go, whoa! <laughs> Chris, you know, you got a chance to play with Mike Vick, and, and obviously, you know, he was a young quarterback and, and hadn't played a massive amount of football. I mean, he came out after a couple of years and hadn't thrown a lot of passes and such. But when you look at a Desmond Ritter, who's a guy that four years won a ton of football games uh, at Cincinnati, really elevated that program, played against the best competition, you know, when it came to some of the bowl games as far as Georgia, Alabama, and this, that, and, you know, the other. How valuable is that experience that you get in college where you can, you know, again, you stay for four years, you hone your craft. How much better can guys come in the league being when they have all of that college experience? Well, I think it, it, def, it definitely helps, and, you know, because you, you, the more that you see, you know, the more plays that you that, that you have under your belt, the more you have, a, you know, kind of this database to be able to go back to. But that transition to the NFL is still a huge transition. And so I'm excited for this year for him. 
and I'm excited because they put some pieces around that are going to make it where he doesn't have to do it by himself, that as long as he stays within himself, that there should be some tremendous success on the offensive side of the ball. Was there, when you played, when when you got to go up against a young quarterback and, and you were kind of looking at a guy in, in his eyes and, you know, again, he's maybe a, a rookie or in his second year, was there something that told you whether or not this guy had it or this guy didn't have it? I mean, not so much specific players, but just were there things that you were looking for when you went up against a young quarterback? Yeah, it's really their, their, how they respond to adversity, right? So everybody's going to have a bad play. Everybody's going to have, you know, there's going to be a tip ball interception. There's going to be a, a play that you miss, you know, maybe somebody that's wide open. And I think, you know, a lot of times you can't see it on a, on a TV copy or, or even some of our uh, tape, you know, that we watch. But do they put their head down? Mm-hmm. You know, what is their body language as it relates to that? So I, I think that's a that's the key type of thing. But also, you know, we're at it right now. What you're going to what you're going to want to do is you, you want to stop the run. You're going to you want to make it where the game has to come through him. And and if that's the case, again, that's that's what the mindset is. If that's the case, then he has to say, well, come on, bring it on. If it has to come through me, I'm going to make decisions. Hey, that's fine with me. I know my guys, and I can get the ball to them. Chris, you know, when you look at a guy like Arthur Smith, I mean, he's a guy that I feel like is a is a coach that has a great understanding of offensive football. But just, you know, when you when you watch him operate, I mean, there haven't been as many times that we've had an advantage on the sidelines. I feel like Arthur Smith is a guy who really gives us an advantage week in, week out with his sideline play or just, you know, play calling and such. How good of a coach do you think Arthur Smith is, and, and what do you see in him that makes him good? Well, I think he, he's got some tools right now. Or, uh, what do we say? We got some, we got some horses mm-hmm. right now to, to, to work with. And so I think the, the key uh, of his ability to, to call plays that really maximize the skill that is back there. I mean, you've you got a, a first-round running back that is an absolute game-changer. You've got a a guy in Tyler Algeria that went over a thousand yards. You know, from uh, Patterson uh, to you know, like the, there are from London. You know, like guys that are some playmakers. So that the key is is how do you call those plays that make it where we get the ball spread it around and move the ball down the field and score. <laughs> <laughs> Was it tough to play against teams that want to run the football as much as what the Falcons do? I mean, when you have offensive linemen basically just coming north and south right at you. How difficult was it playing against offensive linemen that, you know, were just kind of running downhill at you and against, you know, run uh, very heavy run offenses? Well, I would say back in the day, they, the teams ran more. I, mm-hmm. think, I think that's a huge advantage in this, in this game, the way that it's laid out now because it's so much pass first. So, you know, when you come and try to punch somebody in the mouth, I mean, you know, that's what training camp was. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's that's what we were doing. We were running leads. We were coming downhill, but that's not, you know, it's more RPO at times and not just running right at you. So I think there's a huge advantage to that, running the ball and really wearing the team down uh, because that it's not exactly what they see week in and week out. And so you, you actually have seen that where there's teams that have advantages where, you know, when they're able to run that ball strong, it's somehow in that second half, it's like, goodness gracious, they keep they keep coming they keep coming, and there's that real opportunity, especially with with Bijan right now. Bam! 
all of a sudden you're hit it, hit it, hit it, maybe three, four, five, six to the house. Former Falcons linebacker Chris Draft joining us here on the WadeFord.com hotline. You know, how much, how much more complex are defenses now than even when you played? I mean, it just seems like that there are so many different things that so many personnel groups that these defenders get, get themselves into. Is it kind of a, a, kind of a whole new world when you look at NFL defenses now, or is it still, you know, kind of the same basic philosophies? Well, I would say the defense has always been one that matches up on the offense. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's really different because the offenses have gone to more three wide receivers because they've gotten more exotic in what they do. It makes it where the defense have to adjust. And so now you're in nickel, you're in dime, but then also even if I'm at nickel, you're maybe bringing a guy that's more of a DB more so than a, than a linebacker. And, and then finding ways to be able to pressure out a different base. So, uh, I would, again, I would say it's it's not that it's so much more complex, but because the offenses are giving something different, that means that you're going to see a different kind of attack. When we know that you know you got to get after the quarterback, you got to make them uncomfortable, and, and if you can do that, a lot of good things usually happen down the field. Now, Chris, I gotta I gotta ask. I mean, it, it is a different world as far as how the NFL practices and even training camp, and obviously with the expanded regular season, there's one less preseason game now. I mean, when you when you look at this, I mean, it. it, it I mean, I, I talk to Randy McMichael all the time, and he just he kind of laughs about the idea of you know guys don't really hit in practices anymore. Guys don't really go through two a days in in training camp anymore. I mean, you know, you almost kind of have to chuckle, don't you? That uh, you know, guys have it but a lot I, easier I than you guys did. I didn't. I just didn't want to laugh over what you were saying, but I, I was over here laughing to myself because it is absolutely different. Uh-huh. Uh, but it's the game evolving. I mean, you know, the guys are in such great shape because of the off season. There's really a question of is it really worth it to go and bang in, in two days? I mean, to be able to get in shape, we they don't need it. They're already in shape. And then the other side was it probably looked at the metrics because that's a big thing, and and you realize that. We would get injuries at the, the beginning, like say the first day of camp, some hamstrings because they we push somebody a little bit hard, or you would get after a few days kind of somebody's body breaking down and you'd get injuries there. And, and when you're paying guys the amount of money that they're paying them right now, they say if if we're gonna get we're gonna get somebody hurt in practice, practice, we have my get my my Allen Iverson practice. <laughs> no, if, if they're gonna get hurt, they're gonna get hurt in the game, going out there making plays and getting after it. But if they're in shape, we don't need to get them in shape, and we definitely don't need to put them in situations where they're getting bodies beat up and where there's no real benefit. Chris, last question for you. I mean, do you think the NFL – I mean, you know, look, with an expanded regular season, and, yes, they did take away a preseason game for all of it, but does the league do enough to protect its players? I mean, you know, again, money drives everything, and and you mentioned about the idea of – you know, trying to go less contact and things like that. Do you think the league has moved in a much more positive direction as far as player safety and trying to protect player health? You, you know, the, the crazy thing is that they're always making changes. They're, they're constantly making changes. It's just that, you know, not everybody notices them. So there, there's been a, a, a lot of changes that have made the game safer and safer and safer. Uh, and, you know, again, they, all they can do is just evolve to it at, at the end of the day. This is a volume game. Because mm-hmm. it's, it's a violent game, so uh, you you can only make it so safe. 
right? We're, you know, we're going to go out and, you know, you're going to get hit in the head, maybe not directly, maybe don't get speared. Uh, <laughs> you know, a la Chad Cota back in the day trying to spear wide receivers over the middle in the head. Uh, you, you can't target them and just flat out just try to hit them. You can't Deacon Jones head slap them. Uh, you know, a lot of these, you know, when we talk about old school, a lot of the things that were done back in the day just weren't safe. And the NFL has evolved from that. I mean, I think, unfortunately, at times, uh, you know, they can be very quick with, with some of the unsportsmanlike conduct. But, but at the same time, that's the balance. Being able to, to make the game safer is being able to put more rules, and, and you've got to be able to call them and enforce them. He is the founder of the Chris Draft Family Foundation, and he can be found on his personal Twitter page, at Chris Draft. And check out his website, chrisdraft.org, and find out all the good work that he is doing. And Chris Draft, join me here on the waitfor.com hotline. Chris, as always, man, appreciate it. Thanks for a few minutes uh, here in the ATL. And uh, listen, be safe, be well, and continued success in the work that you're doing. Hey, man, thank you. you I'm, I'm just wondering what you Falcons do, man. They rock. That's right, baby. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate it. John Chuckery, we'll be back. Sports Radio 929 The Game and the Odyssey.com app. Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game. Back at a Chuck Show, hanging out here in the Kia Studios with you. 404-726-0929. 404-726-0929. That is our Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Odyssey apps, how you catch us when you're on the go. Social media is at 929 The Game on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And as always, at JMCH316, at the D. Lewis for real. Uh, watching a little bit of SmackDown here. Uh, they're doing the tribute to uh, the Iron Sheik. So, and, you know, they just had a biography on him, you know, what, about a month or so ago. But they're doing the, uh, doing the tribute uh, to him. So, um, one of the great characters of all time. So, he'll be missed. He's been in ill health for quite a while now. But uh, uh, he will definitely be missed in the world of uh, wrestling. So, Braves and Nationals, it is 1-1 right now. So, um, guys are all tied up. Uh, A.J. Smith-Shauver, five innings, three hits, a run. It wasn't earned, and two walks and two strikeouts, 73 pitches. So, can he get through through five innings? or uh, Sorry, six innings? And who knows? I mean, you know, look, I mean, he's been pretty good so far and only 73 pitches. I don't know how much they want to push him. I don't know how how far they want to go with him. But, you know, maybe give him one more inning and see if the Braves can score some runs and 
you know, maybe give him a chance to win the game. I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe that's maybe that's what it is. I mean, so let's see if they give him one more inning out of all of this. So, I mean, not bad. Five innings, you know, and no earned runs. So doesn't have a uh, doesn't have an ERA because it's it sits at zero right now. But um, you know, uh, not much offense right now for the Braves. Uh, Rosario's got a hit. Um, Arcia with the uh, only RBI as. Uh, uh, I don't know what I didn't see what what he how he got that uh, RBI. Um, oh, he grounded out to shortstop, so like a fielder's choice, and and uh, uh, Albie scored off of that. So anyway, so we'll keep you up to date all night long about what the Braves are doing. But uh, so far, so good for AJ Smith Shaver. So um, we're not going to read too much into this start, right? We're not going to get too excited one way or the other. You know, we're not going to get too high. We're not going to get too low, or this or that, or. You know, not uh, not go to all kinds of extremes or what have you. So, um, but obviously, I'm going to call start. the division over. Uh, yeah, no, <laughs> we're not going to do that yet. I mean, more about more about Smith Sharver. I mean, you know, look, we've seen this before out of guys, right? I mean, you know, you just you never know where you're at uh, with all of this. So uh, let's hope the kid. Listen, I, I I want more than anything. If we can find one more consistent starting pitcher, right? So we've got three now that we rely on, but can we find one more guy? You know, hopefully, you know, I mean, it's we find one of these young guys that can take that mantle consistently. We hoped it was going to be Michael Soroka when all was said and done, but still we just need to find one more guy. You can get away with four good starters and then just kind of plugging and playing from there, but it's hard to do with two starters because – if those guys aren't consistent enough, then you got to start getting into bullpen games and stuff like that. So it becomes a lot more difficult to navigate those kinds of waters. So we'll see what happens with it. But so far, so good for um, A.J. Smith uh, Shaver. So uh, we'll check out everything that's going on with the Atlanta Braves. All right, um, let's get to something we call it. What's bugging Chuckery? Don't look now, but somebody out there just got Chuckery ticked off. <laughs> like that's hard. Don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. It's time for What's Bugging Chuckery on Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. I, I I always get so confused by some of these stories, and I just shake my head, and I, I, I just don't know what to think at times, okay? So the Toronto Blue Jays have designated right-handed pitcher Anthony Bass for assignment, okay? Now... He made, he made headlines, the reliever made headlines last week after sharing a post on social media that called for anti-L, and again, this is really alphabet soup, but LGBTQ, LGBTQIA plus boycotts of Target and Bud Light. The shared post described the sale of LGBTQIA plus merchandise as evil and demonic. Now, here's where it really gets confusing, okay? More confusing than Sean Kemp on Father's Day. The move to DFA Bass comes on the same day that he was to catch the ceremonial first pitch from... Toronto LGBTQIA activist uh, 
Lazeal Lee Cam before Friday's game against the Minnesota Twins as the Blue Jays began their fourth annual Pride Weekend celebration. Kevin Gaussman, who is slated to start the game on Sunday, will replace Bass as the ceremonial pitcher. So let me get this straight, okay? <sighs> tread lightly, tread uh, lightly. Uh, okay. So the guy who was supposed to catch the ceremonial first pitch from this activist for the LGBTQIA fourth annual Pride Weekend just last week was putting out on social media boycotts of Target and Bud Light and evil and demonic merchandise from I'm so confused right now. Can I ask, how how did that guy get selected? And a week earlier, he's posting social. I'm all confused. Now, Bass, 35, apologized for sharing the post a day later, but he was booed by fans in Toronto in two home appearances since the apology. Speaking on Thursday, Bass said he's, quote-unquote, working hard to educate himself but doesn't believe the social media post he shared last month was hateful. Quote, I do not. That's why I posted it originally. When I look back at it, I can see how people would view it that way, and that's why I'm apologetic. When you call the merchandise evil and demonic and you're calling for boycotts, how do you think that's not negative? (sighs) You see what I mean, Day Day? You see why I'm so confused about all of this stuff? I get so confused by these kinds of stories. And, And just... And I really do try to keep out of people's minds more than anything. Because, I mean, the so many people are just whacked out. Like, there's so many wackos out there. I mean, just... You, you didn't know it was going to be taken the wrong way, talking about hateful and evil as far as the merchandise goes. And then you're calling for boycotts of Target and Bud Light but you thought that you were misinterpreted in how. And by the way, how in the hell did the Blue Jays have this guy? Who, by the way, it's not like he's a catcher, right? I mean, it's not like he's normally a catcher. You have this guy, this guy that's going to catch the ceremonial first pitch from the LGBTQIA activist. This guy. Not a manager, a coach, a player, a catcher, an outfielder. You're going to have your 35-year-old reliever that was designated to do this. And a few days before that, he's posting how people need to boycott Target and Bud Light and putting up the fact that the merchandise is evil and demonic. See what I mean, Day Day? Like, I, I, I don't understand nothing. 
Okay. Um, Bass said he chose to delete the post because it was the right thing to do and because he didn't want it to be a distraction to the team. He's designated for assignment. Now, this is the best part here, okay? So Bass said he chose to delete the post because it's the right thing to do, right? But I stand by my personal beliefs, and everyone is entitled to their personal beliefs, right? Also, I mean no harm towards my groups of people. Okay, see if I can say this right, Nate. That was pretty good. I I, I just I, I I'm I'm flabbergasted. I'm flabbergasted. You know, stand for something. You know, even if you are for it, even if you oppose it, pick a side. And how was this guy? How was this guy? You mean to tell me? Hold on, hold on, hold up, hold up. You mean to tell me that nobody knew who or what this guy was when they made this choice about having him represent? You mean to tell me that this just came completely out of left field? Out of nowhere. Cinderella story out of nowhere. You mean to tell me that this whole thing just came out of nowhere. Nobody knew anything. You mean that's how that this went down? Nobody had any idea that this guy could have had these kinds of thoughts? Or You mean to tell me that there was never anything spoken about any of this stuff where he was involved in anything? I find that so hard to believe. I find it so hard to believe. Again, Sell me on some oceanfront property in Iowa at that point because I don't believe any of it. I, I don't I don't believe that this guy just arbitrarily on his own with nobody ever knowing and nobody understanding. No, You mean to tell me that nobody ever talked to the guy in the locker room? You mean to tell me that nothing ever got out about what these guys were saying or this just came out of left field, Cinderella story out of nowhere? That that's how this all went down, huh? That's how this whole thing went down, just arbitrarily. All of a sudden, one day, he just posted this stuff, and it just came out of nowhere. Then he talks about how he... I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what to tell you. I, I, I really don't. So I'm, I'm, I'm all confused. So anyway. All right, when we get back from the top of the hour, that's what's bugging Chuck Reed. When we get back from the top of the hour, we'll open up the phone lines. 404-726-0929. 404-726-0929. Can Troy Anderson replace Rashawn Evans' production for the Falcons? Can Troy Evans, can Troy Anderson, I'm sorry, replace Rashawn Evans' production for this defense? Chuck Green, Nikia Studios, Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game, the Odyssey.com app. 